Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Let's do this. Yes, it is the Danny Parkin show. Thank you very much for spending part of your weekend with me. We are coming to the coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. My name is Danny Parkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. D-A-N-N-Y-P-A-R-K-I-N-S. In 35 minutes, D. Orlando Ledbetter. He covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's promised to bring the heat on the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn, who, if it wasn't for the fact that their bye is in two weeks, I don't think he'd have a job in 24 hours. We'll discuss that. One hour from now, certifiable crazy person. And I can say that because he's becoming a friend of mine. Nick Costos, who I host You Better You Bet With, which is a Sunday morning gambling show exclusively on the Radio.com app. We will talk about his beloved New York Giants, gambling strategies for the NFL, and all things Danny Dimes. And then Ryan Wilson covers the league for CBSSports.com. He will join the show as well. And as soon as we air on 670 The Score in Chicago, which is where I do afternoon drive, Monday through Friday, I will be teeing off on the Chicago Bears. But I'm not going to do that when we're not airing right now in Chicago. I'm going to have some patience, which, frankly, you should applaud me for because it's taking a lot of restraint. But as soon as we clear in Chicago, oh, boy, Bears got one coming to them. But we'll get to all that later on. But first, we're starting the show as we do each and every week during the football season with 10 things at 10 p.m. Eastern. Boys, little NFL music, please. Bring it down just a notch. Thank you. 10 things at 10 Eastern, week seven of the National Football League. It's impossible to argue at this point with the Saints as the best team in the NFC. I know the Niners are undefeated. I know that... The Packers are well-rounded. We'll get to both of those teams coming up. But the Saints, what they've been able to do going undefeated since Drew Brees has been hurt, winning at home, winning on the road, beating the Bears, beating the Cowboys, beating the Jaguars, they're not just punching down here on bottom feeders. I'm not saying those are the best teams in the league. But these are respectable wins today with no Alvin Kamara, no Teddy Bridgewater, no Jared Cook on the road against a desperate Bears team coming out of the bye. Very impressive, thorough beatdown by the Saints. If I was Sean Payton, given how wide open the NFC is, I would sit Drew Brees next week against the Cardinals. Arizona is good and improving. We'll talk about them in a little bit as well. But 
the Saints have a legitimate chance to get to the Super Bowl. Home field advantage will not be decided by one game, and even if it is, they can win on the road. They've already proven that. Health in the long term is more important than a win in the short term over the Cardinals, and they've already proven that they could beat the Cardinals with Teddy Bridgewater. I'd sit Drew Brees against Arizona this week, then take the bye, err on the side of caution with your superstar players. The Saints are playing a marathon, not a sprint. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year. I have them in the driver's seat to get to Miami from the NFC this year. Second thing, as we go through observations from week seven in the National Football League, Aaron Rodgers with a well-rounded team should scare everyone. Six touchdowns today from Aaron Rodgers, his best game of the year. He's clearly getting more and more comfortable in Matt LaFleur's system. Checking plays at the line of scrimmage, tons of guys in motion, wide open throws being facilitated and schemed open, and that's without Devontae Adams. Their defense isn't great, but it's good enough. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith lead the NFL in terms of duos for combined quarterback hits. Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark are monsters. You can run against the Packers, but that's not going to matter so much if they start scoring 30 a game on offense. Their running game is as good as Aaron Rodgers has ever had with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. He finally has that 800-pound gorilla of a albatross head coach, Mike McCarthy, off his back. He's got a plus head coach, a plus running game, and a plus defense. Aaron Rodgers, we haven't heard the last of him as a legitimate competitor in the NFL. A lot of people wrote him off and said that he was too stubborn and the game had passed him by. Nah, he's, he looks reinvigorated. Staying in that division, Matt Stafford accomplished something today that will be a total blip on the radar in terms of the discussion because it came in a loss. Fastest quarterback ever to 40,000 passing yards, Matt Stafford. Did it in 147 games. Matt Ryan did it in 151 Faster than Brady, faster than Peyton, faster than Rodgers, faster than Ryan. This is a volume statistic in a lot of ways. He's been on a bad team. That obviously partially explains it. Obviously part of this is era. But we talk about the Hall of Fame and counting stats and how it should be about more than that. I wouldn't put Matt Stafford in any sort of Hall of Fame. But it is possible that Matt Stafford finishes his career number one all-time in passing yards. And if that happens, he's going to have a legitimate case. He is a really fun player to watch. The Lions have largely wasted it around him, but that guy stands in the pocket and delivers the ball time after time after time. And the, the combination of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones... Marvin Jones with the best game of his career today. They get overshadowed by Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham or Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones or Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen in their own division. But Galladay and Marvin Jones is a legitimate one-two wide receiver combination. And on Johnson is running the ball. The Lions must be sitting there thinking, blew the game to have a tie against the Cardinals. Refs stole a game against the Packers. Everything was there for them against the Vikings. 
They're in last place, and they easily could be tied for first in the NFC North. Matt Stafford's record-setting pace is largely getting lost nationally because of Detroit, and it's a shame. He deserves some love for what he's been able to do in terms of consistency. Speaking of consistency, as we go through 10 things at 10 Eastern, Week 7 of the National Football League, your top takeaways at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. T.Y. Hilton consistently owns the Texans, and the Colts continue to impress. This is what T.Y. Hilton did against the Texans in his career coming into today. He had played 15 games, 81 catches, 1,530 yards, 19 yards a catch with nine touchdowns. The two best games of T.Y. Hilton's career in terms of yardage both happened against the Texans. He had 199 yards a game, and he had 223 yards in a game. Today, he only had six catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton owns the Texans like few players in NFL history have ever owned an opponent. I know this is going to seem a little blasphemous and a little hyperbolic, but you know what it reminds me of? And Vikings fans and Cowboys fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. It reminds me of Randy Moss owning the Cowboys. Remember how Randy Moss slid in the draft and he said that he came into the league with a chip on his shoulder of every team that passed on him in the first round, but especially the Cowboys because he had always wanted to be a Cowboy. And then every year, whenever the Vikings played him, and it wasn't every year because obviously they weren't in the same division, but it was often enough in the NFC. Randy Moss just torched the Vikings. He would do it on Thanksgiving Day. He would do it on Monday Night Football. or He would just, he would just absolutely destroy the Cowboys. T.Y. Hilton is like Randy Moss against the Cowboys, except it's against a team in his own division. If T.Y. Hilton could only play the Texans, he'd be Jerry Rice. Colts continue to be the most impressive story of this NFL season overcoming the Andrew Luck retirement. That's something going in the positive direction. Something going the other way? Daniel Jones. Regression is a cool mistress. My God. Three fumbles and a pick today. He's now second in the NFL in turnovers. In his last three weeks, he's had four touchdowns, seven interceptions, and three fumbles. I know the team isn't good. I know they have no talent on defense. I know he's young. I know it's a game of adjustments. But maybe don't dress in khakis and quarter zips with a bowl cut and bad posture and body language. Like can, some, can we get a stylist to New York City, please? Can we get him a shopping spree on Fifth Avenue? This guy looks too much like Eli Manning. And as an adult Danny... I continue to reject the Danny Dimes nickname. He doesn't like to be called Danny, Danny, and he's no longer throwing dimes. He's Daniel or Dan Jones until further notice. Danny Dimes regressing in ugly, ugly manner. Take care of the ball, Danny. And uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but Pat Shermer doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. He might be in trouble. Speaking of a head coach not know what he's doing, Dan Quinn. Hope that key card works for you tomorrow, buddy. You're number six in our 10 things at 10 Eastern, week seven of the National Football League. Um, Anyone see that crowd in Atlanta? What happened to the Falcons fans? 
Gerald Everett was doing the Dirty Bird in an empty stadium. An empty stadium that's brand new. That's the NFC champs that were in town. What did you have better to do in Atlanta? The Braves got eliminated. It's Sunday. Georgia isn't playing. That's a football city. That's a football state. I know Washington fans checked out on the team in our nation's capital years ago, which is why Dan Snyder finally got up out the paint as the first coach fired. So I know we've seen apathetic fan bases, but whoo boy, Arthur Blank, assuming he was awake during that game today, I don't see how Dan Quinn survives the bye week. Let him lose to uh, Seattle next week and then be done with you. Get the early head start on Lincoln Riley. Speaking of the Rams, that was a lot of fun. See them with Jalen Ramsey. I think that they are crazy. They're like the drunk at the poker table that has more money than everybody else and just keeps bullying people and going all in. Scary to play against, but you want to be at the table just to see what happens. I mean, Indomitian Sue, Akib Talib, Marcus Peters. Now Jalen Ramsey. They just keep pushing their chips to the middle of the table. Salary cap be damned. I was happy for Marcus Peters getting a pick six in his debut in Baltimore. I've liked Marcus Peters since he entered the NFL and I covered him in Kansas City. But I love that the Rams are going for it when they were in third place and they made that trade. Marcus Peters, since 2015, has more interceptions than anybody else in football. By 10, or it's 25 for Marcus Peters, 16 for Darius Slay. Nine more interceptions than the next most in football since 2015. High-profile cornerbacks getting it done. Marcus Peters had a nice Ravens debut, but number eight on my list for 10 top takeaways at 10, week seven of the National Football League, is Lamar Jackson. Superlatives be damned on this guy. His ceiling is best player in football. His ceiling is the MVP. He is breathtaking. That's really all I have to say. I have no idea if it'll be a comet or if it'll be a glacier and he'll stick around for a while or if he'll get hurt and he'll blow out his knee or have a foot injury or a leg injury and be a step slow and then not be as breathtaking as he is right now. But Pat Mahomes is the best offensive player in football. Deshaun Watson is my favorite player in football. But in terms of worth the price of admission, Lamar Jackson might be number one. Last week, over 200 yards passing and over 150 yards rushing had never been done before. He keeps doing things that we've never seen from that position before. He's rewriting what's possible in terms of an athletic player who's also a dynamic downfield passer. His ceiling is limitless. And if I was a Ravens fan, I would be so stoked to root for him every week. Speaking of a team on the come, my ninth takeaway from today is I'm glad I bought stock in the Arizona Cardinals. They're fun. They're in a good spot. They're not ready to win big. They're probably the best worst team in a division 
Maybe you'd say it's the Lions or the Bears. The Cardinals tied with the Lions already. But Arizona's tough to game plan for. Their run schemes are real complicated. Tons of guys in motion. Tons of misdirection. I mean, Chase Edmonds looked like David Johnson in his prime out there. Cliff Kingsbury looks like he knows what he's doing as an offensive schemer. And he clearly doesn't have all of his personnel in place for what he wants to do. And Kyler Murray still has growing pains. That's a team speaking of like the Ravens are a really fun, exciting team to watch where it feels like their their ceiling is sky high. Same thing with Arizona. Not this year. It'll take a year or two for them to get all of the personnel in place that they want. And then Kyler will have to stay. They can still win on his rookie deal. But I'd be very excited if I was a Cardinals fan right now. 10 top takeaways at 10 Eastern. My last one before we hear from you at 855-212-4227. I don't know if any Chargers fans exist, but Charger fan, are you sick of this yet? Every game ends the exact same way. Except it's just like, it's a different version of pain, but it's one score game, Chargers with the ball. What happens at the end? Can they reinvent a new way to lose? This one I thought was particularly painful. Austin Eckler catches a touchdown overturned claimed he was an inch short of the goal line even though he wasn't but you know instant replay added again no big deal give the ball to melvin gordon he runs for a touchdown it's impossible to overturn plays this year with the instant replay touchdown overturned again even though there was no clear camera angle showing he was short next play run to melvin gordon fumble at an inch before the goal line They say clear recovery. Titans win 23-20. Two touchdowns overturned at the end of the game in this NFL. My hat's off to you, Chargers fans. Chargers organization. That is is an inventive way to lose. Phillip Rivers is going to go tell his nine kids a bedtime story about the game. And they'll be like, Daddy, we've heard this one before about how you lost in excruciating fashion at the end. And they'll be like, no, 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 kids. This is a different twist to this story. This is like an M. Night Shyamalan twist. That was, I didn't even know what I was watching. That was so painful. 855-212-4227. That's 10 things at 10 Eastern that I saw in week seven of the NFL. We'll figure out when the Falcons are going to fire Dan Quinn in 20 minutes. But coming up next... Your calls plus there's an odd feeling that I just can't shake about the only undefeated team in the NFC. That's coming up. This is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Danny Parkin Show. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. It's a week seven post-game show edition. Of the Danny Parkin show. Why does Dan Quinn still have a job? We will find out together in about 10 minutes from D Orlando Ledbetter, the preeminent Falcons writer for the Atlanta journal constitution. They are at the bad end of the NFC, the team at the top right now, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers who figured out a way to get a win nine zero in the slot against Washington. And this is not a game that you uh, do massive takeaways on, but I've watched now a decent amount of the Niners this year, and their defensive line is obviously spectacular. Solomon Thomas not quite playing up to the third overall pick, 
but definitely playing like a first rounder who could have a 10 year career in the NFL. Bosa has been breathtaking. Their running game versatility with Breda and Gostert and Tevin Coleman has been very impressive. George Kittle's an absolute beast. Kyle Shanahan, a very creative play caller. But does anyone get the feeling watching Jimmy Garoppolo that he's the guy that looks like a franchise quarterback but really isn't? And I know this is a weird non-analytical thought, but he has all of the pedigree stuff. Even though I know he wasn't a first-round pick and drafted that highly in top college or anything like that. But Jimmy Garoppolo, his name sounds like a franchise quarterback. He comes from New England. He's in San Francisco. He's got that GQ look. Like He looks like he was the quarterback in varsity who dated the prom queen. And then he gets the scholarship and big man on campus and all that stuff. Like he carries himself like a franchise quarterback. He gets hit, he falls down into the the mud and he slides around and he flashes that smile to the guy that hit him. Like he just he looks like he should be awesome. And he just strikes me as okay. He strikes me as a guy who's getting elevated by the situation around him, which isn't a bad thing when you're winning because the stuff around you is great. But one of the biggest conversations we have around quarterbacks in the NFL is, especially when they get paid, is are you winning because of them or are you just winning with them? Now, winning with them is better than losing with them, obviously. But the Rams, when they win seem to win with Jared Goff. Kind of along for the ride, product of Sean McVay's system. A lot of guys would be productive in that system. Russell Wilson, they win because of Russell Wilson in Seattle. That's a guy you have no question about paying. The Niners traded for Jimmy Garoppolo and paid him off a very small sample. Now, they didn't pay him as much as Goff got or as much as Russell Wilson got, but... When I watch Jimmy Garoppolo, I see good, above average, but he's got a lot of the things that could make you fall for him as a quarterback. How he carries himself, how he stands tall in the pocket, seemingly command leadership field presence. These are not insignificant things, so this is not a condemnation of him as a football player overall but he just has the look of a guy who you could overrate really easily right like if Gardner Minshew has the look of a guy that you could overlook really easily Jimmy Garoppolo has the look of a guy who you could overrate really easily and I feel like that's what's happening in San Francisco they're good they're a contender but there's just a little part of me that feels like that's a house of cards waiting to crumble. We'll get to them a little bit more later on in the show, but coming up next, what the hell's wrong with the Falcons and how long does Dan Quinn have to fix it? That's coming up. You're listening to the Danny Parkin show. Thank you very much for hanging out with the Danny Parkin show, CBS sports radio, the radio.com app and on Sirius satellite radio, Sirius two Oh six. We've talked a lot about the teams that are contenders 
But now it's time to turn our attention to one that is certainly not. We've discussed them every week for the last three weeks on this show. I don't know why they haven't fired him yet. Maybe our next guest has an idea. They should be so much better than they are. Arguably the biggest disappointment in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons. And after five straight losses falling to one and six and a Matt Ryan injury in front of an empty stadium, it feels like a low point for the Falcons. So no one better to talk to than D. Orlando Ledbetter. He's been covering the Falcons forever. He writes about him for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution at D. Orlando AGC, AJC excuse me, on Twitter. D. Orlando, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Danny, I'm doing great. Doing much better than Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that that's not hard uh, to do. I, I know the low point of the Dan Quinn era is blowing the 25-point lead in the Super Bowl, but is this the low point of the regular season, Dan Quinn era? Yeah, no question about it, uh, uh, Danny. They've been 19-22 since blowing the 23, 28-3 uh, lead in the Super Bowl. Uh, not much has gone right for them. They did make it back to the playoffs right after that, but everything since that has been straight downhill and a major decline this season when they were expected to uh, be a contender. They were getting all their guys back on defense, and they just haven't been able to put together four quarters of football. So what happened? Well, you know, uh, it's a couple things. You know, there are a couple different theories. Uh, There's some disconnect involved. Uh, The players are there. The players that he picked and the players he picked aren't good enough. They've been trailing by double digits in uh, five of the seven games. They're actually one uh, Nelson Aguilar drop pass away from being 0 and 7. So uh, we're searching for uh, we're, we're searching for answers here in Atlanta. What happened? Do you think he'll get fired by the time their bye week is over in two weeks? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, you know, there's no reason to carry on at this point. Uh, you know, unless there's some sentimental reason or something that we don't know about with the owner. But you know, this hasn't worked out. And with Kyle Shanahan being undefeated out in San Francisco, the theory here is that, hey, he was the brains of the operation. And uh, once he left, it's been a steady decline. What is Arthur Blank's, you know, stance on in-season coaching firings? He's had some. He's done He's done it before. Well, one was a walk away, and uh, uh, he didn't – he let Jim Mora go to the end. He fired Dan Reeves uh, – you know, with games left, and Wade Phillips was the interim. And uh, uh, Petrino left with 13 games to go. Mike Mike Smith made it to the end. So uh, it's a mixed bag. He'd probably uh, rather not do it, but uh, might call for it in this situation. We're talking to D. Orlando Ledbetter. He covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Why is the defense as bad as it is? Well, they're missed a line. They're not playing really, um, you know, they're, they're not playing really complex schemes. Uh, you know, they did lose Keanu O'Neill, who's their enforcer, but there's no, that's no reason for uh, the ineptitude that we've seen uh, in covering receivers down the field. They can't rush the passer. Uh, they drafted first-round picks to rush the passer, Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley, and they haven't uh, quite uh, been able to get there. Vic Beasley was the guy that they wanted to work with 
who, uh, you know, led the league in sacks with 15.5 after the 2016 season, but he hasn't done much since then. He hasn't developed any counter moves. He was a little light speed washer anyway, but, uh, you know, they just haven't been able to get that pass rush, and the coverage hasn't been as good as they would like. I saw that Vic Beasley said that he felt like he was letting Dan Quinn down, and there's talk about a trade with him. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that came out. We talk, I talked to Vic tonight after the game, and, uh, you know, I asked him about the trade rumors. He said he heard about them. He didn't understand it. He didn't ask for a trade. Uh, asked him if he needed a fresh start. He said he didn't think so. Uh, he didn't want to go, but he understood uh, the, the, the talk that uh, the uh, front office and uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov felt he wanted to be traded, uh, felt they can get something for him. He'd understand it but he doesn't want to go anywhere, but he hasn't done anything. Uh, the big thing, uh, Danny, was, hey, at the Combine, Dan, Dan said, hey, I want to work with this guy. I'm a pass rush guy. I want to work on his moves. Brian Young said it before he, uh, you know, left for family reasons. Hey, he's a great speed rusher, but he needs more moves. He needs a, a, a signature move to come off of that. And he didn't come in and work out with Dan Quinn over the offseason. He stayed away and worked out with Bud Dupree, another Georgia kid from uh, from the Steelers, and instead of working with his head coach. So, you know, the disconnect may have started at that point, and it may have seeped through the defensive unit. And uh, we, we're, we're seeing guys that are not doing anything that they're asking them to do. D. Orlando Ledbetter covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, longtime Falcons writer and reporter. D, I uh, I saw some pictures from inside the stadium today. It looked barren. Gerald Everett, the tight end for the Rams, did the dirty bird as a road player, you know, in Atlanta. Is apathy setting in in this Falcons fan base? Yes, it is, Danny. And uh, Gerald's a good kid from Decatur, Atlanta. You know, Decatur, Georgia, right outside Atlanta. So, you know, he grew up. Uh, in the Dirty Bird era. So, you know, he probably has been waiting for his opportunity to do the Dirty Bird, and he, he did a good job of it. I'm sure Jamal Anderson would approve. But, yeah, fan apathy is setting in. Folks are trying to sell their tickets. They're not happy with the PSL prices and the product they're putting on the field, and they're voting by not showing up. And uh, Arthur Owner Blank, uh, owner Arthur Blank, the uh, deep, Home Depot magnet, is, uh, you know, going to hear, hear those votes at some point. You know, it's it's sad to see because it's a, it's a football-crazed state, and I know that when the Falcons are good, they can have a great home field advantage. You've been there. I don't know exactly how long you've been there, but have you seen a time in Falcons football where there was less fan interest than there is right now? Uh, yeah, Danny, I've been here since 05 and the 2007 uh, era. With Michael Vick going to federal prison, uh, this is matching that low point there. Uh, Mike, <laughs> okay. they went one oh, they went one and six that year under Bobby Petrino. He left at uh, thirteen game mark. That team ended up going four and twelve. Uh, they did bounce back the next year after drafting Matt Ryan, but yeah, this is on on par with that year. That's how bad it is in Atlanta right now. <laughs> 
Okay, so it's as bad as when Michael Vick went to federal prison. That's uh, that, that's pretty bad. Um, what's interesting to me about the situation is is it doesn't seem completely dire. Like it I, obviously this season's over, but but if you if you fired Dan Quinn and they hired a good coach and had you know one good off season. It feels like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, it feels like this team shouldn't be that far away from respectability again. Would you agree? I would concur with that, Dan. Uh, But Matt's 34. He's in his prime. Julio just hit 30. Uh, So you better get uh, a couple good draft classes in here to support those guys as they'll be, you know, a little bit older. This team was built to win now. They're only two years removed from the Super Bowl. They spent a lot of money. So, uh, you know, uh, they have that they're, they're up against the salary cap with these players that are not playing for their current coach. So if you get the right uh, guy or guys in here to get them turned around uh, under, you know, they'd have to play the smallest dome team type scheme that Quinn put in here right away. But if you get the right person in here, maybe a quick turnaround is possible. How much longer do you think Matt Ryan has of a prime? Well, I, I give him the I give him thirty seven, thirty six. We're seeing thirty seven, thirty eight. You're seeing guys playing in their forties, but you got to protect them. They spent eighty million dollars on the offensive line this year, and, and that hasn't worked out. So you need somebody in here who can pick the right lineman to protect Matt Ryan. And we're seeing in the era now where your quarterback's got to move a little bit. Uh, we're seeing the. Uh, you know, read option guys come in. A read option with Matt Ryan, which they're trying to run, doesn't really work. But uh, you know, it's uh, he's an accurate passer. He's uh, he's a guy that can read defenses, and uh, you know, he he's functional. He's functional at a high level. So uh, you know, to have a quarterback in place uh, that 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 can throw the ball when protected and can step up in the pocket, they go to the playoffs. But they haven't been able to do that. How bad is the word on the ankle injury? Uh, not so bad. Uh, they think it's not a high ankle sprain. They're going to get an MRI tomorrow. Believe that he, uh, you know, may may not miss some times if it's just a mild sprain. But it got twisted pretty good to the point where he limped off the field uh, and went in the locker room, and they decided to shut him down immediately. D. Orlando Ledbetter covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I know that the Falcons haven't played the Saints yet, but you cover that division. Uh, How impressed are you with what New Orleans has been able to do since Drew Brees has been out? Very much impressed with uh, their defense, which has been their problem, and the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has been able to keep the train on the track even today without Alvin Kamara. So uh, Coach Sean Payton has done a great job down there. Mickey Loomis has also done a great job of stocking that team with talent. Tyson Hill, guys they're just using in roles to uh, help keep that team afloat. I mean, more than afloat. They haven't lost a game since Drew Brees got hurt. So the Saints are doing a great job, and the Falcons were expected to contend with them, and it's pretty clear that they're not going to be able to do that here in 2019. D. Orlando Ledbetter, he covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Follow him on Twitter at D. Orlando AGC. Appreciate the time very much tonight, sir. Thank you. You're welcome, Danny. Thank you. That's D. Orlando Ledbetter covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The single most disappointing team in the NFL this year, the Atlanta Falcons.
I don't think that there's another team that's in that conversation. Steelers, very disappointing. Browns, very disappointing. Chargers, very disappointing. But in terms of relative to expectation, Falcons got healthy on defense, brought back everyone on offense. Matt Ryan had a great year last year statistically. First 11 games this year in a dome. Drew Brees and the Saints sputtered a little bit last third of the season, even though they ended up in the NFC Championship game. They started to show some signs of being mortal. Then Breeze gets hurt. Everything's there for the taking. And they completely fall apart. One in six. Staring at a top five pick. Miami's worse than them. Cincy's worse than them. Washington tied with Atlanta for the third worst record in the National Football League. A staggering degree of incompetence. And Dan Quinn fired all of his coaches. And he's the defensive guy. So he made all of his assistants the scapegoat. And he survived. And now he's left with this. I don't know what job Lincoln Riley wants, but I still think that that's an interesting one for him. You figure he wants a more mobile quarterback than Matt Ryan, but get into a, get into a turf, get those receivers. If he's making the jump, I would think that'd be a nice spot. Nick Costos, media breakout star of the year. He'll join me to talk NFL and gambling and all things football coming up. Nick Costos next CBS sports radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 